today. I am here to give you the assurance that I have not forgotten you. If we want to see the new evangelization become more than just jargon, if we want to see it grow legs and gain traction and change the world, we have got to take seriously our responsibilities as husbands and fathers and especially as sons of God. I want to propose to you then that something that our world is desperately in need of in the midst of this crisis is Catholic Christian masculinity. If you want to be a good father, then bring your children to confession with you. I can't get there unless I become a man of ascesis, a man of asceticism, a man of training. A man not doing penance, a man not disciplined, is not a man. You guys have upped your game. You know what, guys, I gotta say, I, I love this the concept of man show. Warning, the Catholic Man Show is about to begin. Welcome to the Catholic Man Show. We're on the Lord's team, the winning side. So raise your glass. We haven't had very many people send us uh, pictures of what they've been drinking. I'd be curious on what people have been mm. sipping on over the summer. I also would be curious about that. Because I always like to, to find new things. Uh-huh. You know, explore new options. Yeah. So... Uh, if you if you've been if you found something that's a delight, it's really like you know hitting well. Yeah, let us know. Tag us, especially us know. in like hot climates. Yes, because it is hot. So hot here. It is very hot. The uh, been over a hundred for I don't know how many days. The uh, the mercy rule has been in effect. First in uh, my house. The first level of, of hell, some of the souls have come up to Oklahoma yeah, uh, just as extra punishment. Right. And they're saying, actually, this is a little worse. worse. <laughs> this is worse than where I was. It's a little hotter. This is very hot. And I didn't know you could sweat so much in hell. Yeah. Very sweaty. So... That's one. That is one bad thing about Tulsa. It's kind of a sweaty place <laughs> in the summer. In the summertime, yeah. You know... But you get used to it. In fact, the other day I walked your out- body your your body adapts so quickly. Yeah. Um, the other day I walked outside and I was in the sun, like feeling the sunshine, and I thought, "Wow, it feels good out here." Like it was hot, but I was like, the, I was thinking the heat, like it feels good. And then I looked at the temperature and it was 105, <laughs> and I thought, "Well, I guess I've a, I guess I've adjusted. You know, I'm <laughs> yeah. I'm wearing my summer body." At this point, or whatever. Yes, it is. It is very. It was very warm. Yeah, AC units are are tough to keep up right now. Yeah. Uh, this evening we're drinking Slain Irish whiskey, uh, traditionally triple distilled, as I, most Irish whiskeys are. Correct. Yeah. Uh, extra virgin oak. Now we've looked at looked this up. That um, don't you think that's funny? It's like, extra. It's a, oh oh you're a virgin. I'm an extrovert. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so there's a guy, Lord Henry Cunningham, uh, had a castle. He was a lord of. I wish of I was area, a lord. That just area sounds awesome. In in Ireland, and he decided he had this vision of bringing together Ireland with this big rock concert in front of his castle. And that, so that in 1981, yeah, he did that. This so this is Slain Irish Whiskey Special Edition, the Legacy of 81, 40 Years of Music at Slain Castle. It almost looks like a uh, like a Woodstock, an Irish Woodstock. Yeah, it kind of does. It's much more orderly. <laughs> well, yes. than what Woodstock was. The pictures that I have seen, obviously, mm-hmm. wasn't there. weren't born yet. Yeah. So. Uh, we're on the Lord's team. The winning side. The Richard Glass. Here's to Jesus. I would assume that this is a very smooth whiskey, being that it's triple distilled. It is, yeah. It's 45% ABV. I really like this. I think that's fantastic. Um, you're right. It is very smooth. It's definitely an Irish whiskey when you drink it. But it's got a, 
like some, I don't know, is it orange? What is it on the palate that is, I think, a little unusual? It's a really, it's a really nice flavor. A little bit of pepper. A little like the orange zest. Yeah, orange zest. But there's something else there too. I'm having trouble putting my finger on it. I was it's really, nice. I was really hoping that you would. Uh, how much? How much was this? I believe it was like forty bucks. Yeah, that's really great. Yeah, I think I for I don't know why. Uh, it's probably because it's mostly younger, I guess. But Irish whiskey is just a lot cheaper than. It's it's cheaper even than most bourbon, you know, uh, because you can regularly get a a decent bottle of Irish whiskey for less than forty dollars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I think it probably is younger. It's certainly younger than most scotches are going to be. I think sure because this is not a uh, there's no age description on. Yeah, it, I mean, so. I think I think it's very rare or very common to see them in the four to eight range. Like they're four to eight years old. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very good though. It's Lane. Irish whiskey. Oh, yeah, I think I think this is great. Yeah, definitely worth picking up. Uh, I was in Wyoming this last weekend. Oh yeah, how was it? Was did you see any cowboys? Um, we, no. Well, I was there. Yes. Does that count? Barely. Okay. I did not have a cowboy hat. Mm. So missed uh, opportunity. But I did get three bottles of Wyoming whiskey. Oh, good idea. Because it's only thirty-two dollars. Did you grab me one? Um, I'll sell you one. <laughs> For forty two dollars. Yeah, for thirty three dollars. <laughs> uh, nice. But Wyoming whiskey is just so good. It is. It really is. Good. Uh, it's not the. It's not like oh, that's the best whiskey I've ever had. But per dollar, dollar for dollar, ROI. The ROI is strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Way better than the stock market these days. Depends. On, that's not actually true. That depends, but. Just a joke. It's I'm a just fi- a joke. I'm a financial advisor. I, know, I cannot yeah. actually give advice. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully, on the you radio. bought QQQ on <laughs> January 1st this year. Um, up 50%. Yeah. So, we just had a, a seminarian. Uh, we hosted a seminarian tonight for dinner. It was phenomenal. Something what? that I like, I always think I need to do that more often. You know, I think all the time, I, why don't we invite. Our parish priest over for dinner on a you know semi regular basis you know not like every month but right a few times a year and we should and it's just one of those things you just get busy and life happens and right. you know it's a year's gone by and you still haven't had him over you well know? this is the same thing like even when we used to live right across the street from each other yeah there were so many weeks where it's like wow we haven't even had dinner together and we live across the street yeah which was so frustrating I know I know but um. But yeah, yes, yeah, so we had him over tonight, uh, a wonderful seminarian, possibly getting ordained a deacon next year. It's really, like, just so refreshed. He's the real deal. Yeah, he just really refreshed is. to hear him talk uh, about, like, some of the things that he thinks is going on in the church and, uh, you know, his, his outlook. It was just so beautiful. And he, he so let me, let me tell you something that he, he, he was talking to me about, because we were just talking about, like, the priesthood in general and... You know some some issues that obviously the priesthood has had over the course of you know the last 50, 50 80 years, and uh-huh. uh, how today there's you know there's effeminate priests, and how do we like because he's very interested just himself in like understanding like what like why is there effeminate priests like why is it like on the outside there's effeminate inside? what is it about the priesthood that attracted these people right and so because like, the priesthood is hard right it's not an effeminate gig right so he's like just very interested in like. You know, finding this out, right? Uh-huh. And he he made this beautiful point on how it's there's no like the longer that I've, I've studied this, there's no like this silver bullet that's going to fix all this, right? He made this analogy like you know, he's, he's talking about how like as, as a young man, you know, you think that oh well, if we just did this, this would change. Yeah, this would change. And he's like, that's just such a a, a immature way of thinking. And he didn't say like immature is in a like a very a slight necessarily as far as like it's not right like, i'm not degrading you or your thought process but it's just like it's just not a well-formed th- finished thinking it through right it's not a well-formed thought he said like it, it, it's about like you know christ is is hung up on the cross and it, it, it's everything is between two nails is what he's talking about so the two nails that are holding christ up right and so there's not an extreme one way or the other they're both holding christ up and it's about finding this you know the middle ground of of, of of and centered in Christ, and then he said something like, 
you know, so there's not like this one silver bullet. Like it's it, it, it's both nails that are hanging Christ up on the cross, mm-hmm. and so like it's not going to be one thing. But there's multiple things. There's mul- it's multiple multiple faceted, and then he said like you know, and then Christ died, and what happened? They pierced his side. Right, he already died, and they pierced his side. Yeah, and it's like so. What did he die for? He died out of love, like the birth of the church. So he, like he was just talking about how like. If everything that you've lived for isn't stemmed from the love that you have if, of the church, then there's not going to be like well, this one silver bullet that that's going to fix everything. But it's always between these two cro- these two nails uh, that hold that held up Jesus uh, mm-hmm. on the crucifix. That's what's that's what's going to save us. Did he say what the two nails are? Well, no. I mean, this is all. You know, all just a metaphor. Yeah, a metaphor. But I just thought it was like beautiful, like this idea of like, it's not like, oh, if we just change the liturgy to this, it fix all of our problems. Or, oh, if we just did this boot camp, or we just, just did this program, or we just like went after these men. It's like, no, no, no. It's like, there's, there's men who are, uh, who need to be, it's just like fatherhood, right? You, you know, there's, there's a way of fathering your, your, your child where you have to be stern and you have to like be a disciplinary. And then there's other times where you have to look your kid in the face and like look him in the eyes and tell him you love him and that you're proud of him and that yeah. like, you're called to something greater and you push them in that way. And so he, he's like, you know, there's not just like this one size fits all. I do think there is a silver bullet, but it's kind of cheating. I think the silver Jesus. bullet is evangelization. And that means everybody and everything. You know, it means evangelizing Jesus. yourself, evangelizing everyone. And it's like, yeah, but that, that incorporates a lot of stuff. All right. You know, yeah, so Jesus. Anyway. Jesus is the answer. We are going to the Holy Land, and we want you to come with us. Next year, during the Easter octave, from April 3rd to the 14th, 2024, for 12 days, we will be in the Holy Land, and we would love for you and your wife and your family to come with us. We're only going to take one bus. A lot of pilgrimages take multiple buses, but we want this to be an intimate uh, opportunity for us to pray together, to eat together, to drink together, to have fun, but also to grow closer to our Lord. So check out selectinternationaltours.com slash catholicmanshow. Sign up today. Again, we're only going to take one bus, so it will fill up. Selectinternationaltours.com slash catholicmanshow. We look forward to seeing you there. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles here with Adam Minahan, and that's it. Nobody else, not today. Juan's back. Juan is back in America. He's just though. not here, though. He has a lot of uh, tidying up to do. That is so true. Yeah, you don't even people. You don't <laughs> even know. And then Jim's getting ready to go on vacation, so he just thinks that he can just like leave. Yeah, us where's high and he dry. going? I don't know, but. He just thinks that he can just not like cool. up and leave and without even giving us like he didn't even notice. ask. Yeah. He didn't even ask permission. Unbelievable. I think it's I think it's ridiculous. But he is coming with us to the Holy Land, so that's pretty cool. Yep, going to the Holy Land. Cannot wait. I think my parents are going. Are they? I think they are. Nice. Yeah. So, want to hang out with uh, Tim Minahan, the biggest man in the world? Come on over to uh, the Holy Land with us right after Easter, twenty twenty four. Come shake that man's hand. Do your best. It's a feat. Yes. It's a foot. <laughs> well, we did something very exciting this week. We harvested some of our first sweet corn. Oh, nice. It was fantastic. Wow. I can't believe it's already ready. Uh, most of it isn't, some, okay. but just a few of them okay. were ready. Yeah. And maybe it was a little early, but... A little premature, but it's okay. Uh, yeah. There's a trade-off. I didn't... I'm, I haven't sprayed any chemicals or anything to keep the bugs off. Mm-hmm. So they have earwigs. Basically, every ear of corn has a worm eating it. Mm. So there's a trade-off between how long are you going to let this corn grow? You're going to let it mature. The f- the longer that goes, the more of the of the ear that worm will eat. Mm. So you get less of the cob. So I mean, like right now, you, we're just chopping the end off of each one, and mm-hmm. we still get you know. A good eight inches or so, eight to ten inches of a of a corn cob. It's fan, it's it's just fine. Yeah, but man, like fresh corn, 
it is just it's uh did your yeah did you teach your your daughters how to shuck it oh yeah yeah we, we uh in fact i did a lesson today with them on how to identify when the corn is ready you know we're looking for size and color we want co- ears that are of a good size you know mm-hmm. and then the silk that comes out the you know mm-hmm. silky stuff that comes out the, the end that needs to be nice and like brown and look it needs to look dead kind of because when it's uh first comes out it's kind of like this pretty purple color at least the variety that i have hmm. so that's been really fun because you know we've been watching this corn grow yeah that was good it was really, really good. Good. Fresh corn is one. Corn is just one of those things that if you eat it fresh, it's totally different. Yeah. Because yeah. It, it rapidly, when you pick it, the the sugar in the corn rapidly turns into starch. Mm, that makes sense. And so most corn that you see on the side of the road is not actually uh, being grown for consumption. The vast majority of corn in this country is called field corn. It's just going for ethanol. Or um, like cornmeal or other thing, uh, or corn syrup. Yeah. A lot of it is just to be getting turned into corn syrup. That makes sense. Yeah, because corn syrup is in everything. It's it is in. I think it's in seventy five percent of the things in the grocery store. But we are going to Holy Land. Back to that really fast with Father yes. Patrick Briscoe, Dominican priest from the Dominican House of Studies, Eastern Province of uh, the Dominican House. Really excited. Uh, yeah, man, this Pamela is going to be awesome. And, and Pamela will be there. Haley will be there. Uh, Jim and Kathy, my parents. Uh, so we got a whole whole host of people. Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited. It's gonna be it's gonna be great. And we're gonna go walk the footsteps of Jesus. You know, right? We're gonna have a lot of fun. We're gonna see the Holy Land. Yeah, we're gonna have a lot of fun doing it. Yeah. So uh, you can go to selectinternationaltours.com and check out, uh, sign up, and, and join us for next year. Uh, yeah, so also, um, we have the, the camp out coming up. Uh, that's going to be opened up here pretty quick. We're also going to be giving away a home altar here pretty soon. Yeah. Um, so we're starting that uh, next month. And, so, uh, and this thing is sweet. Yeah. I mean, the th- it's hard to say exactly what it is because it's going to be customized for the person who wins it. Mm-hmm. But um, the ones that I have seen from... From these guys are are they're just amazing and it's a friend of ours who, who's doing this and if you missed the story um in gower missouri uh i was gonna say saint but uh sister wilhelmina mm-hmm. who was exhumed and found to be incorrupt um they're the ones who built the altar for her right there yeah one of my pet peeves is when when people call incorrupt saints when they call them incorruptible because mm. they're not incorruptible Many of the incorrupt saints do eventually corrupt, mm-hmm. um, you know, for whatever reason. God just decides, well, this miracle is going to last for so long, and then, then it won't. And and that's it. Doesn't mean it's not a miracle, right. but they're not incorruptible. They're incorrupt currently. Yeah, it, it just it's a it's a small thing, not a hill I die on. But it's it is a pet a pe- it is a pet peeve. Good to know, nonetheless. We'll start talking more about incorruptible saints. Yeah, uh, just to make me happy. <laughs> so um, anyway, let's see what else. Anything else going on? You want to talk about? No. Okay. Um, so so uh, we're gonna talk about. I think we're gonna talk about wonder tonight. I was wondering what we would be talking about. No wonder. Yeah. Uh, so recently, we were sitting on the back. What is in a wonder ball? I was actually singing that song. You mean Wonder recently. Wall? Recently. Oh, Wonder, Wonder, ooh, uh, oh, oh. That's not what I What's in a Wonder Ball? Do you remember that commercial? But I didn't get that. Like a candy chocolate ball mm-hmm. and be something in it. I got some. I don't remember what was in them. I still... Doesn't matter. I still have to wonder about it. <laughs> so recently, we were out uh, sitting on the back porch and... In admiring the beautiful Oklahoma sunset yeah. that, that takes place here. We have some of the most beautiful sunsets. I agree. Everybody says that they have the prettiest sunsets, but that's have, just because they've never been here. Right. Uh, so we're out in the backyard, and uh, my son Jude, he looks at me, he said, Dad, have you ever noticed that that there are different birds 
that flap their wings at a different rate of speed. He said like, uh, he's actually said like something like, did you notice that there's some birds that flap their wings faster than others? Yeah. And I was kind of like, kind of caught off guard, you know, by the question. Had you noticed that before? Yeah, but I hadn't like really like thought about it. Thought about it too. I mean, obviously the hummingbird goes a lot faster than like an eagle. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Like a lot. Right. Uh, and I was like, yeah, no, uh, no, not really. Like, because I just wanted to see where he was going with everything. And, uh-huh. and I was like, hey, you know, I hadn't really thought about that, Jude. Uh, and just kind of left it there. And he goes, yeah. See, Dad, if you, if you don't look at all the birds and you just look at one bird, you can actually, uh, like, you, you can focus on that bird and, like, figure out, like, more about that bird instead of seeing all the birds. Mm-hmm. And I was like, sitting there thinking, I was like, man, that is uh, really awesome. That he thought about that because it made me think about how uh this is how this is how god views his creation right god doesn't view crowds he doesn't know crowds he doesn't know tribes yeah, he doesn't know point. groups of people like he knows the person he yeah. knows david niles he knows adam minahan uh-huh. like he doesn't he doesn't view groups of people yeah. or clans or tribes right yeah he doesn't hold groups in existence right he holds he holds individual persons in existence, and because of that, like he knows everything about that person because he created those these people, right? Right, and so like I just thought, like man, you know how innocent and, and like, but beautiful that this thought process was uh-huh. that uh, you don't under, like you don't know like groups of people, but you know the person, and how in today's world it's really interesting how we always throw people into tribes or which side are you leaning or, you know, uh, you know, what, what, what camp are you in? Um, yeah. it's very easy to do that. Right. Um, Oh, well he's heterodox. Oh, he's orthodox. Then I'm going, you know, it's very easy to just like make, you know, group people in, into certain groups. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's easy because it's a cheap way of trying to know somebody and dismiss them. Yeah. Well that you end up dismissing them, but you're trying to know them. Right, it's like, oh, I think, but because I know, oh, you're conservative. Therefore, it's a, that is an important label for me. I'm just saying, for example, because now I know other things about you, right? You, or at least you think you do, mm-hmm. uh, and maybe you do, maybe you don't. But it's a, it's, it's a, it's like cheating, right? Because you know? this is what this is not what Jesus did, right? Obviously, because he he went and ate with the Pharisees. You know, he, he right. like. Uh, he he did things, and it wasn't because oh well you're this group of people, but it was because he wanted to have personal interaction, personal encounter with individuals, not yeah. groups of people. Yeah, and it's and especially for him, he wanted them to have an encounter with him, right? Which is not quite the same for the rest of us, but but still, we model ourselves off of right. And so I just thought, way. like, how interesting it is that uh, here here you know my. My son talking about birds and like it made me start thinking about evangelization and, and you know how God sees His creation and uh-huh. how He views you know humanity and how if if we're going to uh, you know really make a difference if we really be- do we really believe that the gospel can change people's lives do we really believe uh, the tenets of our faith yeah you know well if we do then it it's important to know the person to share that with them because we don't share it with groups of people very very few times you know as much as i love men's conferences as much as i love uh big catholic events because it's it's great to build community and things like that but very rarely do those actual events change people's lives it's more it's it's more of the encounter with individuals <laughs> more i think they do Make impact people, but it's more of the accelerated decision that's it's a catalyst. Yeah, it's a catalyst. Yeah, that's right. But uh, it's the individual, like as Pope Francis says, the accompaniment of yeah. uh, uh, a uh, personal encounter right. with a person who was introducing you to Christ, right? You know, who's being being Christ to to that to that person? That's right. Wouldn't it be nice right after you get up? and you say your prayers in the morning, you could check your phone and get caught up on all things that are happening in the Catholic world. 
That's exactly what GetTheLoop.com does. Go to GetTheLoop.com. Make sure you let them know that we sent you. It's a really easy way to help support The Catholic Man Show because the more people we send to GetTheLoop.com for a free email, it's the only email that Dave ever reads. But by signing up for their email, you're also supporting us because they're supporting our show. This episode is brought to you by GetTheLoop.com. Again, it's the place to go to get daily emails that recap all the big issues from a Catholic perspective. Go to GetTheLoop.com. Make sure you tell them The Catholic Man Show sent you. Cheers. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. Sitting on a little bit of this slain Irish whiskey. As I mentioned, it's only like 40 bucks or so. Go pick it up. I really like it. Yeah, I'm going to buy this next time I... If I see it in the liquor store, I'm going to pick it up. Yeah, really, really good. So we're just talking... uh, You know, I think we're going to try to talk about Wonder tonight. uh, Talk about a little bit of evangelization. um, And we'll we'll just kind of see where the conversation goes here. But uh, before the break, we're talking about how these people that are... you are encountered in the in your life that you're trying to you know, uh, you know in the Bible verse First Peter three uh, three sixteen it talks about like you know always be ready to defend uh, the fa- your, your faith for the hope that be ready to you. give an account. Yeah, I mean I'm paraphrasing yeah, yeah. here. Okay, um, for the hope that is within you, you know it presupposes that somebody has already realized that there's something there's some kind of hope within yeah, you, right? That they've recognized a hope in you, right? And so you're you're uh, encountering somebody and and wanting to share this with them, right? Uh-huh. You obviously the goods that you have, you want to share it with other people. Like this is the natural we're made for communion. This is the natural thing that you want to do. Um, I mean, even like in a very secular way, right? You, you see a good movie. What is the first thing you want to do? You want to go tell people about that movie that yeah, you just tell saw, everybody about it, yeah. right? Because it's something that's good that happened to you, and you want to share it with other people, right? And so much more for for the gospel. But then, if only it was so if. <laughs> If only it was as easy to get someone to go to church with you as it is to get them to go see the new the new movie that came out. You know, I right. wish I wish it yeah. was that easy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so the, the communication of the gospel is is tough, right? At times. Um, well, yeah, because you know we mentioned already about groups of people, and basically what we're talking about is preconceived ideas, preconceived notions. You know, um, and Christianity has. You know, people have preconceived notions about what Christianity is. Whether you are a Christian or you aren't a Christian, you have all of these ideas, preconceived notions about, oh, you're Catholic, or oh, you're fill-in-the-blank. Mm-hmm. And there are, you've already, those, everybody has done this. Um, I have done it, too. I um, mean, it's like, if, if someone says, oh, you should be Protestant. Well, I have, I have ideas about Protestantism mm-hmm. that... Um, prevent me from just biting on to that idea, you know? Right. Uh, and maybe those maybe those things that I've put up that would prevent me from doing that, maybe they're good. Maybe they're true. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're not true. But that's where the difficulty is in overcoming all of these uh, defenses people have put up around different ideas ar- about Christianity. And we do it with all, with all, all kinds sorts, of stuff, yeah. right? Politics, sports, football team. Exactly. I mean, like, it doesn't matter. All of it. Yeah. And, and we do it in our lives, and um, for the most part, that's good that we do that, you know, because otherwise, human, we might be just taken, blown by the wind with everything that came across our path. But this is, I think, where it gets back to the individual part that you're talking about, because the boundaries, the the walls, barriers that one person has put up around Catholicism, mm-hmm. um, they're not always going to be the same. They're going to be, and some of them might be very unique. I think in general they will like often you'll encounter some of the same resistance points, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of those resistance points are just false, right? It's like, oh, I know if I say this, you'll leave me alone, right. you know? Um, like cult, you know the the one I think about is, uh, you know, it's like, oh, I'm not going to be Catholic because you guys call your priests father, and the Bible says to call no man father, right? I just think like really that's why you're not going to become like, what'd you call your dad? You didn't call him father, did you? I you better not have. <laughs> oh. And you don't call the doctor doctor, right? Right. Because it's the same in the in the original text, it's the same. It says call no man father. It also mean, it could mean doctor, you know, mm-hmm. or rabbi. Um 
So, yeah. I just, you know, there's stuff like that. Okay, it's like, that's not a real objection. Right. Um, yeah, but, so, but so we have to just, t- but the point is, individual approach. Right, so Look how at do you, the one bird. Yeah, and so how do you, how do you communicate this, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and communication is like this uh, transmission of information, right? That's what communication is. And information leads to knowledge, and knowledge produces wisdom, right? And so like the Latin form of communication actually means like commonwealth. Mm-hmm. Like so, it's like a wealth of knowledge that you're you're you know this 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 wealth that you have that you're you want you want to share with the common good. Uh-huh. Now, some of you are probably thinking like, "Well, I have not been receiving my dividend check, right? I've been I've been Christian for thirty seven years, and I have not received one payment of this wealth that you're talking about." Mm, I was wondering what you're talking about. Yeah, this payment, right? I have not. Yeah. Okay. Good. Well, because that's not the wealth. I mean, some people are so poor. That all they have is money. Sounds terrible. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, they say money doesn't buy happiness. I just, just you know, I'm just asking for a chance. You know. <laughs> uh, but you know, we have we have you know we have we have the gospel. We have the good news of Jesus Christ, right? We have the th- the thing that every heart desires and wants to be fulfilled in, but just doesn't either know about it or doesn't have has wrong uh, notions about it or is it hasn't been communicated to. So, like, how do we do that, right? Well, I think that that while there's not this single silver bullet, like we were talking about in the in the first segment, but I think that a cure to this is wonder. I think this is like what even the 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 the, uh, the rabbis, you know, was sitting at the temple and listening to this twelve year old boy in awe and wonder. Yeah. Uh, about how, the knowledge that he, the wisdom that he has. Like, how does this twelve-year-old boy? It's like wisdom, like makes you stop and makes you think. Like, wait a minute, what? Like, it's this emotion that grabs you uh, on. Wait, this is something that's unusual. That is uh, uh, kind of intoxicating. That is something that makes me want to think about what what's more behind. What what else is behind this? And it, yeah, no, no, I I think that's that's right because a lot of the time. The problem is that people have simply not even given thought to the choices that they've made, right? Um, we're all raised, and we adopt to one, de- one degree or, or the next the worldview of our parents, okay? Um, you're not, obviously, you're not going to believe everything exactly the way your parents do, but probably a lot of the things you, you believe and, and, and hold true about the world because that's what your parents believed and held true. And hopefully they were right, and they gave you good a good foundation. But a lot of times we go and we have these ideas, and we have never really given them thought. And unless we develop the virtue of wonder, then we won't be habitually disposed to think about them. So when something does, when we encounter something that bumps up against one of these worldviews, we just run from it mm-hmm. instead of defeating it or recognizing the truth in it, okay? Because nobody nobody is right about everything that they believe. Okay, now, if, if you're Catholic, you actually can say, I'm right about everything my, I believe religiously, okay? But I mean, you know, we all believe things about all kinds of stuff, you know, who's the best football team, whatever, you know? Right. Nobody's right all the time, okay? And so, if unless you have that ability of one, which wonder helps us practice, then you're not going to be ready to ponder those uh, when when something you encounter something it's like hey that's not what i believe but if you if you do have that that virtue and you're practiced at it then the when something encounters you encounter something that's like that's i disagree with that now you have the ability to defeat it and to know and to walk away from it with peace because I now I'm practiced in saying, hmm, well, let me think about this. Let me wonder. Mm-hmm. Let me ponder it. And I can now engage my rational faculty in a in a healthy and strong way where I can come to a conclusion and say, No, I was right in what I believed already. Or maybe I wasn't, you know, and um either way, you walk away more in line with the truth. Um and so that's I don't think that's actually like the number one reason to have wonder in your life. I think wonder is good in itself. 
you know, I think just the action of wondering and like the, there's a beauty, like a, an intellectual beauty in wondering about things. Right. Sure. And, and pondering things that you don't know the answer to. Um, I think that th- that is good by itself. Um, uh, but it does have the benefit of teaching us and giving us good habits, uh, uh, of our intellect to consider and come to conclusions. Well, and this is why uh, this helps us avoid just speaking in taglines, right? Just just this mm. surface level conversation of even right before we were talking or before we were recording, right? We were talking about how some we were you, you were discussing uh, something with a friend, and he mentioned something offhand uh, about a topic, and you were like, "Well, that's." Where did you hear that? Like uh-huh. clearly, you're just repeating something that you have heard. Yeah, you you don't know that for sure. You're just kind of talking in like sound bites. Mm-hmm. I think we're. I think we talk about we do this all. I mean, I'm guilty of it. I think everybody's guilty of like talking in sound bites. Like, yeah, I hear about this. I do it. I watch the news a lot. I right. Keep the, Thank goodness I don't. I keep the financial channel on. You know, I'm a. I have to. Right. I'm um, so glad I don't have to do th- that. But it, you it, you're bombarded with that exact thing, just sound bite and. You know, by the end of the day, you know what are the sound bites I heard today? Well, let me tell you. Right, it was this, and it was this, and you know. But this like, this lacks. This actually goes against, I think, probably the virtue of humility, right? Because now you have all these like things. You have little sound bites that you want to you want to be able to say and, and to 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 win this argument or to express your your point of view. And it's like, well, you actually don't have a point of view that's well thought out. You just have somebody else's point of view hmm. that you're uh, regurgitating. So let me ask you this. Okay. About wonder. Okay. Maybe you have to answer it on the other side of the break because we're almost almost at our break. Do you think, in your opinion, because in order to wonder, you need a certain order in your life. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to leave it there. I'm going to let you actually wonder. About the question. About what is his question? What is he going to ask? It's so riveting. Ponder it. Okay. Think about it. Okay. We'll be right back on the other side of this break. This is the Catholic Man Show with Adam Minahan, David Niles. Listen, I know this is going to be a tough sell for you guys, but humor me here. This October, hundreds of Catholic men gathered together from around the world at Estes Park, Colorado, beautiful Estes Park, Colorado, in October going to be gorgeous for a five-day adventure dedicated to helping everybody build a better prayer life, forming up virtue and a life beyond Exodus 90, and having brotherly fellowship, getting to know one another, most likely over a pint. Join us, exodus90.com slash the summit. We're going to be there. Dave and I, we're going to be giving a talk. We're have a live Catholic Man Show episode there. Join us, exodus90.com slash summit. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles here with Adam Minahan. Talk about wonder. Something not a lot of people talk about. John Sr., big, big proponent of wondering. So I was going to ask you about wonder. My question is, do you think that it is a, uh, a way to get to a place or a sign that you have already gotten to a place? Okay, so... Here's what I mean. Do you think if if someone is prone to wonder, does that mean that they already have order in their life and that the order, like, okay, I've, I have order, and that order promotes the wonder? Or do you think that the wonder itself would lead someone to have order? You see, mm-hmm. is, it a, is it a remedy or is it a um, you know something that comes out of things that are already good? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I pro- probably th- say that it's. It, uh, You're gonna say it's both. I know you are. Yeah, a little bit. I knew it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but because I, think, I also think it's both. Because I, I also would say because that. I, because I think the more order, that but you it's have, a cop out. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> but because I think, take a stand at. I, I think because the more order you have, the more capabilities you are. To, uh, you have the ability to wonder because yeah. wondering. If your if your uh, life is is not in order, 
then you can still wonder, but you're probably w- w- wondering about lower level goods, less goods. Mm, yeah, I think that's true. Um, a good point. Because you're, you're you're having to overcome different obstacles that are in your life because you're you don't have a well ordered life. You uh-huh. don't have the highest goods at the highest goods. Yeah. Uh, if you do have that, if you're living this virtuous life and you have you know uh, the hierarchy of of good and you have well ordered life, then you actually have the mental capacity to orient your wonder towards the highest good. This is why contemplation, like this is why you can't just all of a sudden become a, a, a cont- contemplative in prayer, right? Yeah. Because um, odds are, unless it's just a supernatural grace that you've been given, odds are you have uh, a lot of uh, noise in your prayer life. Uh, you have a lot of distractions. You have a lot of uh, in- incapabilities. And an attention deficit. An attention deficit to where you're not allowed to just rest in Christ. Yeah. Um, and so this, it's a ladder of, of ascent of uh, uh, of your spiritual life and maturity, uh, you know. Um, but it's not just because you you don't have an ordered life doesn't mean you you, you can't wonder. And I think that wonder does help uh, make you stop make you stop and realize like, wait, is this actually the highest good that I should be doing? Yeah, I think that's right. I think wonder is always self reflective. So no matter what it is you're wondering about. It always has a way of making you wonder about yourself in relation to that thing. This is because we're creatures. This is right. This is yeah. because um, we're made in the image and likeness of God. So the more we come to, to understand what reality truly is, the more we have a, a clearer picture mm-hmm. of who God really is. Yeah, and we're relational beings, and so the question ultimately is always, how do I relate to that thing mm-hmm. that I'm wondering about? Right. And so wonder always has this element of self-reflection. Mm-hmm. So the more you wonder, even if you're just stargazing, mm-hmm. it still is putting yourself in perspective with the thing that you're wondering on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which, is why, which is why it's a very important thing to do. And I know we talk about leisure a lot, mm-hmm. but um, I don't think that you're going to really be, you're not going to have time for wonder. You're not going to be able to do it unless you first pursue leisure. I think leisure is... It's not. A, I'm not going to say it's a prerequisite for wonder, because you could wonder while you're not leisuring. You know, you could be laboring, mm-hmm. uh, but still wonder. However, I think that optimal wonder is sure. during times of leisure. So I think about uh, you know I was kind of using that example of uh, of those priests in the temple, right? And, and here's a 12 year old boy that walks in, yeah, and he just has such a mature faith. Like, you know, like this, you know, having all these, like, uh, w- this wisdom, it makes them stop and say, like, wait, who are you? And this is what Christ, mm-hmm. you know, comes back to his apostles and say, well, who do you say that I am? Mm-hmm. It makes them think about, like, okay, what is my relationship with this person? And namely the, the person of Jesus Christ. Yeah. But each, because we are made in communion with one another, right? So, like, there's, there are certain things. That our relation, like because of our relationship, you reveal certain things to me about uh, God the Father that I would not have been able to comprehend or like be revealed to on my own, right? So there's certain things that you you do that pushes me to do like to live, you know, a, a virtuous life that I would not have done without our friendship. Sure. Uh, and this is what the be- the beauty of friendship, right? Because that that's based on the foundation of of Jesus Christ, because. Uh, there, th- it it brings out a more fullness of of man, a more fullness of of who you are created to be, and reveals to you even more of who your creator is. Because the more you realize who who you are as the creature, you can realize have a, a better understanding of who your creator is. Totally, and I think that's really the biggest the biggest benefit of wonder is that. As we sit here and ponder, and I think stargazing is maybe like a, a like the the prototypical example. Well, this is what this is what of, Pla- of this is what Plato and Aristotle was talking talked about, right? It's like uh, how do you how do you cultivate wonder in your life? You know, this, this isn't a John Senior thing who talks about oh, right, but, star- stargazing all the time, but it, it's a Plato thing, right? Uh-huh. It's a Socrates, Socrates, which is why John Senior was a fan of it, right? Yeah, um, it's like. Being able to stargaze 
shows like how how little of a being you are in this vast right. world, a vast universe. But uh, yeah, but it puts you in perspective with with God. Okay, right. God is so much greater than the infinite expanse of the universe. It's it's as if nothing compared to Him, mm-hmm. right? But still, with our limited capacity for understanding things, it's it it goes a long way mm-hmm. in showing the grandeur and magnificence and mm-hmm. majesty of God, right? Right. And it's one of those things that I think a hundred years ago nobody needed to tell you to wonder at stuff. It's only in the last hundred years or so when we've had, uh, you know, now all of a sudden man went from a, a creature who mostly walked places to now riding in cars. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the, you, there used to be darkness, which is darkness is an, ex, an accelerant to your wonder sure. because you don't know what's in it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it makes you wonder. Like right. fear can also, like, I don't. I'm not sure that's a healthy wonder, but it does make you wonder, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then with the rise of electricity, all of a sudden, you know, uh, we were we mastered the world in a big way, mm-hmm. uh, in just our own little sphere of the world, right? Where now the room I'm in, I, it's light because I want it to be light. You know, we're no longer subject to the cycle of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that humanity was since the beginning. And, and so, you know, the farmer would spend... He he didn't have an iPod. I mean, I know nobody has iPods anymore. Yeah, that's true. Sure. But, but the you, only you time he could hear Zoom. music... The only time the farmer probably heard music in, in, was, played. was if he played it himself. Okay? Occasionally, maybe... Uh, you know, he'd be in town and ha- maybe hear some, but like, you know, if, unless you go to the opera, the only way you heard music is if you or someone in your household was playing the music, okay? Um, and so uh, the world just became so much cheaper over the last hundred years when everything we wanted was at our fingertips instantly. Mm-hmm. It, it actually devalues all of these things and it causes us not to appreciate them and, and we don't wonder about them anymore. And on all these magnificent goods, music is a great example. Magnificent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I listen to music sometimes. You know, people don't, people don't really care about the music. Right. Uh, and I know people think they do. Mm-hmm. Um, but what if you couldn't, you know, what if you never got to hear it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was over at a, uh, this last weekend we were in, in Texas, and we were at a, a guy's house who's done very well for himself, himself and uh, he decided to move out to a ranch and basically build a ranch and become kind of like a homesteader, uh-huh. right? Uh, he has uh, a ton of animals and bees and, uh, you know, uh, all this, like, just a, a full-blown homestead life. Uh-huh. Because he was talking to me, he just realized, like, there's just so many things. He, he came to the realization he, was, he took his kids on a vacation to the Ritz-Carlton, right? And it was, like, super fancy, cream of the crop, super nice, and they were, like, incredibly bored. And like, this is the worst. And he realized, okay, I got to make a change. Uh-huh. And so he went out and bought land and then, uh, like, put up this metal shed. Like, and, and they lived out, uh, out of it for, like, six months. Uh-huh. And he actually lived in his car while his wife lived in the bed because there was only, like, a small bed. And he had his kids live in a hammock <laughs> for, like, six months. Really? Yeah. And, and then, like, he said, like, then he was able to get a was little... Was it all one hammock, or did they each get their they, own each, hammock? Yeah, each got their own. I mean, he was uh, rich, so he could probably buy them all a hammock. Right. But, so then, like, they moved into, like, a, a another metal building. Like, as, as the house was being built, he moved in, and they said, like, oh, they were so excited because there was AC. And he realized, ah, they've been reset. Uh-huh. You know, because, like, now they're excited just because there's AC. Yeah. Uh, and so I was talking to him, and I was like, yeah, isn't it interesting how a human... They, like realism brings out uh, humanity and how some of the conveniences in this life, like while they are convenient, while we've made progress. And good. And good. Convenient. I mean, like convenient. air conditioning is good. Oh, yeah. Especially, I mean, we were talking about how hot it was yeah. at the beginning of this episode. But how uh, it has it is, uh, taken away from us these opportunities to be human. 
Uh, and so we have to be intentional about doing so and, and like figuring out new ways to do so. And I don't think we've done a very good job of that as a society. I agree. We're outside. We're outside of time uh, on the radio. So we're outside, outside of time. What you said. I think so. Uh, so go check us out on the Catholic Man Show, CatholicManShow.com. We'll continue this conversation for a little bit longer. We're on the Lord's team. The winning side. The raise your glass. And cheers to Jesus. So yeah, so I mean, I was, I was giving him the example, like, you know, how awesome is it? And this is the example. I, I was just totally riffing off of John Sr., right? But like, how awesome is it that we have a dishwasher? Dishwashers are great. We love dishwashers. I actually don't like mine, but that's all right. Well, that's... Um, but you like the concept of dishwashers. I love the concept of dishwashers. Yes. Right. Uh, but before then, you know, for, for all of humanity up until the last like 100 years or whatever, whenever dishwashers were made, I don't know, 60s, 50s, yeah, 60s? I probably, no yeah, somewhere in there. It's pretty close. Um, men and women got together after dinner and washed dishes. And what happened during that time? Well, they had an opportunity to talk. Mm-hmm. You know, husband and wife, you were talking. Yeah. Or even just spending time together. Yeah. Uh, just doing something together, accomplishing something together. I mean, Adam, you're being a little bit ridiculous, like suggesting the notion that men were doing dishes 100 years ago. Like, I'm sure they were. Maybe. I don't know. Well, you know, okay. So, no, okay. There's a plenty of All examples. I know is St. Therese's dad, at one point, this is after he was a widower. He mm-hmm. decided he's not doing any household chores anymore. <laughs> it's, in his bio- it's in the biography. Of really? The, yeah. He's like, I have all these daughters. I'm tired of doing domestic work. <laughs> I have no one else to impress. I'm not doing it. Yeah. And so he he never did. No more. <laughs> I remind Lady Pamela <laughs> about Saint Louis Martin. <laughs> He's a saint. <laughs> I'm just, worthy of being emulated. I've taken him up, my love. Yes. Is my model. But I, I mean, same thing with air conditioning, right? Before yeah. air conditioning, everybody like for. For all of humanity up until the last hundred years, uh, people would be outside on their front porch, uh, you know, to stay cool. Stinking. Yeah. And sweating. Yeah. But. You just didn't know it because you were all stinky. Right. Um, it was fine. But it gave you the opportunity to do what? Have conversation. Yeah. I mean, now you can still sit inside and talk about how hot it is outside. Sure. You can still without do that. sweating. You can still do that. Yeah, but we don't do. So this is the point, though. But we don't do that, right? We become so utilitarian in purpose, like right. in our lives. It's like, okay, good. Now that we don't have to do that, what can we do to fill this time up to be more productive? Yeah. Netflix. Netflix. Um, and so we still have to. I think we still have to be intentional with having real human moments. Hmm. And, and I think that's not easy to do. And I, I think that like you have to, as a, as a father, as you know, as a husband, uh, and, and father of your household, like you have to like make time to do that. Whether that's family game night, whether that is, uh, you, you know, like just sitting outside in the backyard, like we have to, we have to do things together as a family to where we can cultivate conversation and spending time together and just, being yeah. in the presence of one another. So what do you think is the number one ingredient for wonder? It's like, all right, someone says, all right, cool. Yeah, let me try this wonder thing. What do they do? Um, so I think there's a couple things that you, that you can do, right? So, I mean, obviously, like, Plato and Aristotle says, like, go stargazing. I think that's an easy one. Yeah. Uh, but I think silence is really the big thing. That's what I think. So I think silence in your life allows you to stop and think about things. Yeah. I would say a silent encounter with a good. So for me, the th- something that if I want to have like, like oh, let me just sit down and have some wonder in my life. I might ha- pour a, a glass of whiskey, maybe, maybe uh, get my pipe and just go sit, Right. You don't need those things. You don't need the whiskey and the pipe. I do think that they help. <laughs> I mean, I think they mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. Um, because sometimes you could, you, the nothing, if you try to go from the modern life of doing, 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 and then to just crashing into doing nothing, it's, it's almost overwhelming, right? So having a, something to drink, it could be water. 
uh, or but like having something, it's like I'm still doing something, but I'm not. I don't have to think about it, right? Like, and and it, but those things themselves are good, mm-hmm. right? Um, when we're using the goods of this life for their goodness, mm-hmm. I do think that a silent encounter with the good. So whether the stars or you know, or but, adoration, but, I think adoration is a is a wonderful way to cultivate wonder. Absolutely, absolutely. But if you just try to like sit in a room and be quiet. Then, I I don't know that that right away is gonna is gonna work, um, because well, what do you wonder about? Mm-hmm. And I guess you could wonder about that. Well, I don't know. Well, so this I is wonder gonna, what people this wonder. Is, about. I mean, we've already talked about this, right? Because if you have an ordered life, then you're able to uh, wonder about. You understand what the highest goods are, and then you're able to wonder about yeah. them. Uh, it, I think that if you start off with with creation. So like, and this is why I think the pipe helps. I'm just sitting down, and I'm just enjoying here what's before me. And out of that enjoyment, wonder springs. You know, that I start to like, well, you start to think about the things that are so great here in front of you. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and why are, they so, why are they so great? And, you know, how could they, you know, and, and how they could be that way, and all, all of the stuff. And before you know it, you're off and running. But yeah. Another thing that has really helped me in like developing this sense of wonder has been reading the reading reading the great books. Uh-huh. Like going like reading about you know and take like 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 what the ancients had to say. Um Homer, like going through the Iliad, going through the Odyssey, reading Plato. Like what what do these guys have to say about it? Yeah. Uh you know, like how like filling my imagination um with like these things has helped me orient my thought process and ordered my thought process to where I'm able to think of like, well, what is piety? Which is something we're going to be discussing, uh, you know, in our Patreon uh, book book club. We're going to be going through Euthyphro uh-huh. next week um, where we talk, you know, where Plato and, and Euthyphro, or Socrates and Euthyphro talk about like, well, what is piety? Well, that right there, like reading that short little dialogue gives you the springboard to just sit on the back porch, watch the sunset, and think through in your mind, like, what did I just read? And like, who was right? And what was the wrong arguments? And like, you know, just like start understanding what they were what they were talking about. The last thing I want to say about wonder is that the wonderer is always going to be better at evangelization. Simply, if if for no other reason, but I think there are more reasons than this, that they will be more interesting. I'm, I, I think everybody probably knows a couple people in, in their life who's like, that person is just, like every time you talk to them, it's just you just like talking to them. They're so interesting. Like the things they say, the responses they give to the things you say, it's like, just a like you can't it's hard to always put into words why it is mm-hmm. what is it about that guy that's so interesting right and i think the person who wonders a lot is prone to be that person okay because you have pondered and so like the more the more you wonder the more wonderful you become mm-hmm. and you it it makes you into a more interesting person and therefore, and so more attractive, more, and, and so I think your evangelization can become very natural and uh, almost casual. Because people realize the hope that like, right. there's something right. different because about you. you. you as you ponder the goods in the world, the goods in life, you come to understand them better and you can order them better, right? And so your evangelization can take a, a, a more natural, a more ordered, and like I said, almost casual not that it is casual, but mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's the last thing I want to say. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I think that's good. That's good I, I have nothing. I refuse to say anything else. <laughs> Fair enough. Unless you ask me to. <laughs> uh, what are your thoughts on? No. No, I mean, that, that, I think that's all I have as well. Like, but I just, uh, you know, I think there is such a link between wonder, communion, uh, friendship. 
a cure for isolation mm-hmm. um, and, and evangelization. And I don't think that would be an ingredient. Like if you asked me all of those things individually, like how do we have better evangelization? How do we become better friends? How do we avoid isolation? Um, yeah, it almost sounds stupid to say, how do we how do we improve our evangelization? Well, we need to wonder more. It's like, right. all right, get this guy out of here. Okay. <laughs> who invited who invited Jeff? Yeah. All right. No more Jeff. Yeah. Jeff You're is, off the board. Jeff is dumb. But I think that this is what this is why, you know, uh, like I think Jesus was so successful in in reaching these people because there was something about him they were wondering like, wait, who is this man? Yeah. So, Very we should good. be we should be a one uh, wondrous man. 